keep the battering ram grill out so he can clear the path, you know, like a cow <laughs> catcher on a train, you know. Pretty much. Well, at least we got the the round table. We haven't seen that for what seems like ages, and I'm, I'm not even yeah. that we've been absent for a little bit. Well, couldn't this have come in handy for the last 52 episodes? Exactly. Computer, scan files. Select mask agents best suited for this mission. Jason Gross, radio broadcaster, retro gamer, blogger, mask movie co-writer, vehicle codename 6000, 80 screw skills critical, Wyatt Bloom, broadcast technician, DJ, critic, mask movie co-writer, vehicle codename Phoenix, 80s analysis vital. Personnel approved. Assemble Mobile Armored Strike Command. Welcome, agents, to MassCast 69 and another episode review of the Mobile Armored Strike Command animated series. Coming up, we will be examining episode 53, Patchwork Puzzle, which will include our play-by-play commentary along with audio clips mixed in from the actual episode. And at the dramatic halfway point, and of course at the end of the show, we will pause to give our impressions and... We'll give our final verdict along with our one to five scale rating as we always do in these podcasts. Then we will turn the floor over to you, our listeners and even watchers on YouTube, if you watch us over there, to uh, announce the results of our online poll and also read back your reviews of the episode. And uh, you can always find that when you go to agentsofmass.com and click in that right-hand column where the uh, images from the episode, you click on that and go to the article the the embedded video is right there to watch in our poll and you can leave a comment obviously there as well we are excited we are back and uh, we're ready to get into another episode review patchwork puzzle was originally broadcast on december 11th 1985 in the united states and it featured venom stealing a civil war era quilt and a fireplace screen that contains a secret message to finding buried treasure near the Washington Monument in Washington, D.C. It's, of course, up to Mask to stop Mayhem's plan to get the treasure. I'm Jason, one of your humble hosts of MassCast, and with me, as always, is my longtime friend and fellow co-host, the Dr. Herc Armstrong, to my Metlar... The evil that lies within Down in the fiery depths of the earth Where nightmares begin Inhumanoids, inhumanoids The evil that lies within Wyatt, have you discovered the evil that lies within? Not yet, because I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm getting pretty bad. You're get, you're stretching it to the point I don't even I, know. I am stretching. Yeah, I'm digging. Uh, 
digging. But uh, and this one I do not remember watching as a kid. This is all about a cartoon called The Inhumanoids. And it was a Marvel Sunbow show. So like in the G.I. Joe, in the uh, Visionaries. What else did Marvel and uh, Sunbow? I guess they did Transformers. So it was of that same kind of realm. The same, A lot of the same voice actors were in, in Humanoids that we were used to in G.I. Joe and, and Transformers and the like. And uh, it was very short-lived. I want to say, yes, it was a 13-episode series. So it, it made it 13 episodes in 1986. And uh, it had a couple, uh, I think a few comic books, maybe a three-issue, four-issue series of comics. Reading my notes here. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had it part of a larger block of cartoons, which included Jim and the Holograms, Bigfoot and the Muscle Machines, and Robotics. And then it and Jim kind of was created their own uh, series from that little uh, mashup there. Uh, Super Sunday is what they called it. Oh, I don't um, remember Super Sunday. I just don't remember in humanoids. Yeah. It's a. Uh, it was very interesting. It looked very dark just by watching the intro, and the you know the tagline, the evil that lies within. But it was more like uh, underground, a, a bunch of scientists, and they discover these creatures. Uh, again, I've never watched the series. I've seen images and I've seen uh, toys and uh, you know whatever else that came along with uh, Inhumanoids. I've seen some of the comics. But uh, never really got into it. So, and it sounds like you have never got into it as well. No, I, I'm just looking it up just to see if I even remember anything. And yeah, none of the images look anywhere familiar at all. I uh, probably was not on my TV dial. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and again, with 13 episodes, it's probably a hit or miss. And if it's on a Sunday... I don't remember watching too many cartoons on Sunday, but, um, no, yeah, it just, that one missed me altogether, even though it was in that prime time of uh, my childhood in 1986. <laughs> well, so me, we, we can put that one on our, uh, rediscovered podcast list over on rediscover the eighties. I think so. Cause we obviously have not heard of that one. Sundays for me typically went, you know, after church, went to grandma's for three-ish hours, get home about four-ish, we'll call it. And um, I don't recall much except getting ready for the evening service and then, you know, being shuffled off the bed. So I, <laughs> if there was anything on, no, because I think even old uh, DJ Cat show was on, a, was on Saturdays. DJ Cat. Yeah, that was Saturdays. I really want to do that or tie it somehow to... Um, uh, our WPIX days. Yeah. But yeah, I remember that, that guy, there's a, there's a small rap video out there that they mix a couple. I don't think they, I don't think someone uh, captured all of the growths or different versions of DJ cat. Cause he actually mm-hmm. changed and he changed a voice, which I didn't even know they changed a voice on him, but they flip flopped it. They try to do a pseudo rap video with it. And then, it's all the newer, I guess there was a newer generation of DJ Cat that, that missed me or we moved out of Clearfield. Huh. We lost WPIX, but it's not the, Interesting. it's not the DJ Cat I remember. 
anyway. Yeah, I that was a I remember watching that, I think at your house mm-hmm. on Dory Street and not not many times beyond that, which is when I would stay over. So yeah, I think that's more one of your shows than it was mine. Yeah. Anyway, so let's uh let's put a uh, DJ Cat back in his little pen there and uh we'll, <laughs> as well as the we'll dig the uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll dig the human and humanoids back underground and we will get our mask on. Get your mask on. All right, so th- there's been uh, quite a few things <laughs> since the last time we recorded uh that I kind of want to discuss and uh one of the big ones right now is the the mask movie. So back earlier last year, they announced that they got F. Gary Gray as a director with the uh, Fast and Furious pedigree under his belt to make a live action mask movie. And we're all hyped. We're like, yes, this is this is going to be the closest we get to what we what we probably want to see on screen. And we're all hyped up. And I, I was really, really excited. I was trying to hold back my excitement just because you know how many times we had rumors like this coming up and just fall flat right so anyway so as i like to do i go over to hasbro site once in a while just to see what's going on i'll go through their uh investor presentations look at the slides to see if mask is still there it's still there in that new logo that we talked about actually i think on our last show Mm -hmm. but um in the uh, they did a presentation at Toy Fair this year, like they do for their investors. And going through their PowerPoint, I got up to a slide, and the slide has their like movie slate for the next two years. So I'm like looking, there's no mask logo on here. What's going on? So their movie slate has GI Joe, and it has uh, Micronauts for 2020. And then 2021, they have My Little Pony and Dungeons and Dragons. That's it. No mention at all in that whole PowerPoint of of Mask gearing up to make this a uh, a franchise that they you know try to beef up a little bit or you know hang on we're gonna get go for a uh, ride on Mask you know and next year we're we're starting this movie nothing. Nothing. I listened to the presentation, listened to the Q&A at the end. Nothing in there for Mask. So, I don't know. What are your thoughts now? Here we are probably getting close to a year since they made an announcement that they were going to make it, and we've got nothing and nothing on their quote-unquote slate. If they still have the brand, then there is a very sliver of a shining hope that there's something coming down the pike if they're not on the movie slate then i just disappointed is probably the nicest way to put it because we were all hyped we were all hoping that something would come down especially when they pulled the the fast and furious director on there we thought this is coming this is actually coming to fruition and then this just baffles me what what happened unless i guess that, that sliver of a glimmer of hope that they won't be able to produce it in the next two to three years. And that's maybe the 2020 or 2022 slate yeah. coming up. Otherwise, 
like I said, disappointed is what I am. Because I thought we were going to have something. I thought there would be something down the road. You know, we've we've talked quite a bit about, you know, the Micronaut franchise and uh, the other entities that are out there. We've talked that G.I. Joe has been just pushed around or used quite a bit too much. And that, okay, give the other one of the other ones a shot. Well, they're they are. They're giving My Little Pony a freaking shot. <laughs> um, I, I'm really disappointed. Really, even if they could have in the Q and A said, "It's it, it's on the slate" or "It's on," we are working it. Um, they don't have to say delays, but you know, it's on it's on the 22 to 23 focus or the next two year focus or whatever they do. That that vision. And maybe because of investors, they they don't go that far out. But at the same time, man, you could heck, we would invest in that, whether it's fifty, hundred dollars, something. You know, we would throw something at it <laughs> and say, Matt, you know, come on. Right. And I think we have, in a in a in a roundabout way, we've done our part in investing in it. If not through MassCast, Agents of Mass, the website, we've done our fair share with the the Mass comics that came out. We've we've tried to grab up most, if not all, the the magazines to show that we have an interest. You know, we have our own differences of opinion on on the content, but we want masks. We want to see masks, whatever uh, 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 direction they decide to spin it. So where is it? And I yeah. think there's enough fan base. Maybe not in Hasbro's radar, uh, but I would think with what what I see on Facebook. What I see in Twitter, there is a a substantial market for something to to grab hold. Like you got people recreating stuff. You got people thinking stuff out of the box, making uh, the the never the never to 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 say old shark or yeah. the the mask control room table thing. You got people making the masks themselves. I mean, dude, Hasbro. <laughs> Wake up. We want it. (laughs) At least tell us. You probably have to be secretive, but at least give us the whisper that it's in the works. It's coming. Just sit down and be quiet. Something, you know? (laughs) I wish I had some back channels at Hasbro just to just get an idea of what they're thinking. Because um, I I, I don't know. There is a uh, Fast and Furious like spinoff coming. I think it's the end of this year. With The Rock and uh, Jason Statham, I think, which were mm-hmm. both in the last one or maybe even two movies, and they're just they're big building off of those characters. But it's essentially a Fast and the Furious movie, even though it's not a direct sequel. So I don't know if they pushed it because of you know something like that coming up. It's just um, I don't know. It's so strange that they have it yet they don't have it. They want to go, but they don't want to go. And I've, I've heard a lot of feedback and seen a lot of stuff, uh, mainly on Facebook, from people uh, on a couple different levels. And it's one of the ones I see is, well, we gotta they got to establish G.I. Joe first, and then they can build mask off of that. Haven't they established it a few times? Right. They've Here's the thing for Hasbro. So they, they've got a hit on their hands with Bumblebee that they just made. And the fans pretty much love it. So they've got something to build from there. And they 
did not waste a second to say they're working on another one in that presentation. So, you know, they've got the fans of that era now interested in, all right, they can make a a, a fun movie that we enjoy. So obviously they want to keep moving with, with Transformers and that's fine. Uh, And I'm I'm hoping that they're going to tap into what they did with Bumblebee with GI Joe. They, they have to, Mm -hmm. they essentially have to, make the characters look like the original characters and give them that personality that we all wanted, not the uh, bland gray movies that we've got up to this point where all the characters kind of blend together. So they, they've got to do that with GI Joe, but I don't see why. Well, I see the point of, okay, Transformers, GI Joe, there were a lot bigger than mask. So we have to build it out from there. So we establish them in G.I. Joe, and then they can have their own movie later if they're popular enough or something. Well, I'm just, if you're getting F. Gary Gray and you want to do a Fast and Furious type movie, isn't that enough in of itself to get people looking at it and interested, even if they don't know who the hell Matt Tracker is? You've got a uh, you've got cars and you've got a director with a pedigree. That should be enough. Yeah. You know, if they can make a sequel off of two characters out of the Fast and Furious movie and not call it that, and if this thing goes through the roof like all of the other ones have in the last four or five years, that should be enough to say we can make this. It doesn't have to be a two hundred million dollar movie, but we can make it in people will be interested enough to go see it if it's a, a lot of action and it's oh, yeah. the vehicles. So that argument I can see, but I don't want to hear it, <laughs> I guess. Right. I just feel like it, they, they could do something like that on their own without having to build out of, you know, GI Joe. So, so here we are. We don't know if they're working on it or not. The other uh, feedback I get is, well, the comics killed it. Nobody liked the comics, so that was Mask's one shot, and it's dead. And I'm like, I don't think a comic book series that doesn't sell well determines whether or not you're going to make a movie that could make hundreds of millions of dollars. And, and obviously, you got to put some money into it more than you would making a comic book, but to put the franchise on the success or not success on a comic book story that was somewhat mask. I don't know. I, I, I don't know why we're pinning it on that. No. And Um, I don't think as much as I liked, I guess some, I won't say all of it, but some of the, the, the comic book, I still don't think they should have tested the waters. If that's what they were doing, I don't think they should have tested the waters with the comic book series. If you're going to test it, test it with a cartoon. Well, uh, it's probably, that was probably the cheapest way out. It probably was, but still. Uh, but really, is, yeah, is yeah. A, if, if that comic book would have been a huge success, and if, if it was still going to this day and we're on issue number 30 now, whatever, would they have said, okay, that's enough to launch a movie? There would have been... Probably the same amount of people that saying the comic book killed it will be the same people that say, 
Oh, a comic book's not enough, man. That's not the that's not enough to make a movie out of it. Are they crazy? You know, there's there's always the critics, I guess. Right. And always the people that are just <laughs> not uh not optimists, we'll say. Uh, more the pessimist attitude uh, to making something like this, and they think it's a pipe dream. Well, I don't know. I don't know why you're announcing directors and that you're making movies if it is truly a pipe dream. It can't be. So anyway, I, I and just following up on the comic book, there was a, uh, a a short little blurb in I think it was uh, Unicron, the Unicron series. Mm-hmm. They shoehorned a, a few pages of mask in there to kind of wrap it up. I guess did not like that at all. That was uh, it was more like uh, I, I think they pretty much said towards the end, illusion is not the ultimate weapon, and they kind of linked arms and sang kumbaya at the end. It was, I mean, no, it it wasn't really that, but it just felt like this. What we did before didn't really matter, and everything's okay, and we like each other in the end. So I, I don't even know why they stuck it in the book. I, I bought it just because I was curious. So in a way, the, the more I go back and read the, the comics, the more I'm like, yes, I'm grateful. It, it, it's it's kind of like the, uh, the Ghostbusters movie with the girls. I enjoyed it. Still not sure <laughs> what that movie was supposed to be. But, you know, for what it's worth, I enjoyed it. Was it the mm-hmm. best thing in the world? No. So we we got that. We got something to collect and look at for several months, and I'm happy we did. But will it be a part of the, the mask legacy that people go back to? No. it's I mean, it's always going to be the cartoon, right? So anyway, that, that was my little tangent about, <laughs> <laughs> about the comic books. But, you know, I, the movie, we need to uh, – we need to get something soon, either one way or the other. We need to see F. Gary Gray being booked for the next five years and those movies not being masked, and then I can just kind of move on right? and uh, go stick my head in the sand somewhere. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> anyway, let's get on past that. If, yeah. if you want to go over to, uh, to Matt Tracker's YouTube with Bill, he did a little reaction video, uh, a somber reaction to that slide that I found on in the uh, in the Toy Fair presentation. And I will plug him too. I I did get a chance to go over there and uh do an episode with him of Behind the Mask where we did talk about those vehicles that never were released that we wanted like Shark and uh like the transport plane and we had a fun little discussion about that. So uh, go check that on on uh, on YouTube. And I will plug that there is a Mask Customs page on Facebook. I think you've probably seen this too. Mm-hmm. But uh, the person behind it, I, I can't remember his name. He's come up some, with some really unique stuff. Like he's made the shark. Uh, the most recent one he made was T-Bob in his little uh, diving gear outfit from... I think it's from ghost bomb where he gets launched off of shark yeah. in the water. Yep. He made that little figure on the card. He made a transformer out of the indie car from Goliath in, in the racing series, Matt tracker's uh, right. race car. And I don't know how he did it or if it was like uh, just like a custom paint on one that already existed, but he put it in a little box and everything. Oh, it looked fantastic. 
Um, so go check that out. If you're a mask fan and you're into some of these customs, uh, I, I think he does the, uh, the masks themselves as well. Go check out mask customs on Facebook and, uh, he is selling the stuff too. So, uh, if you want to have an interesting piece in your collection, something new to get, go check them out. And then, uh, I guess one more little thing for get your mask on is, uh, I have created an Instagram account for us. It's just agents of mask. Go find us on Instagram and follow. And I've been, uh, trying to post little clips from the series. I've actually taken some images from the UK comics that I have, which were some, they are drawn really great. And, um, some fantastic imagery in there. I've been taking pictures of those and trying to stylize them in this little photo app I got. Uh, I found the uh, that Patton the other day uh, with the mask logo on, and I thought that was interesting. And then I, the one that I posted on Instagram was the one of Thunderhawk thanking those gentlemen for giving us one of the greatest toys, not just yeah. of the 80s, but ever. But um I've uh, been doing some fun things over there on Instagram. Anything you want to add to get your mask on before we get into the episode? Uh, just, uh, that we were excited to get back to our mask cast studios and to, to push forward and actually do this episode. It's been a little while. So we apologize if we haven't said it enough already. Yeah. Uh, but we are <laughs> back in action and uh, let's get it going. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's go to your neck of the woods and uh, check out what's going on in D.C. All right, let's start the mask cast. We fade up on the DC Capitol building and pan over the DC mall. And we end up at the Smithsonian Institute with Hondo leading the pack of Boy Scouts with Scott uh, rattling off the old items that they keep here with T-Bob replying that it's like his refrigerator in his room. The corny thing is, I don't remember us growing up in the 80s and having a refrigerator in our room. So, you know, that was the rich kid there. Yeah, if we didn't grow up in a mansion, that's for sure. No, we had one fridge. If you're not too many of us had had like the dad that had the beer fridge, you know, um, Scott looks over and asks. What's that thing, Hondo? It's called a buco pendulum. It proves that the earth spins on its axis. Scott asks, what else are they going to see with Hondo saying it's up to... Tommy Thompson, the assistant scoutmaster who has drawn quite a bit like Matt. In fact, I almost thought it was Matt Tractor walking I did, along. too. I did, too. Tommy states that they're going to see a fully furnished home from the Civil War period. Imagine living in a home like this. It doesn't even have electricity. No electricity? No, thanks. I don't think I'd get much of a charge out of that. <laughs> ba -bum -bum. Roll oh, my nice. eyes. Yep. We cut to Floyd Malloy holding his mask, then back to the scouts as they move on. He walks that's up to the actually uh I'm sorry, that's actually Nash Gory. Is that Nash? I got it wrong. Yeah. Nash was uh yeah, the first one seen there. Um but he walks up to the glass, surveys the bedroom, then puts his mask on. Next we hear this crash. <laughs> We cut to T-Bob looking back to see what's going on. And then we see Nash cutting the glass with a laser and he steals the quilt from the bed. Scott, the big hero, says to T-Bob that they need to stop him with T-Bob replying that he doesn't want a merit badge for courage. I don't think he'd ever get one. I actually laughed at that. 
joke. Well, although you, we did make him out to be a hero with our with your mashup video. We did. We did. Um, so on, Hondo tells Scott no, then instructs Tommy to call security. Nash looks around and seems to see no way out except a door. He tries to ram it, but it seems to be locked, knocking him to the floor. Next, we see him use the powerhouse mask, the first time we've seen this, which seems to emit some kind of ray from its chest plates. Powerhouse on! The power then seems to just weaken the overall integrity of the door, and he just literally just touches it with his finger, and it falls over. Scott is concerned, saying that he got away, with Hondo telling him to please calm down and instructing Tommy again to call security if he hasn't already. And this is where we fade up to the Tracker Mansion. Yeah, that uh, that mask for Nash Gorey, I believe it's supposed to make him like have the strength of whatever however many men so it like <laughs> empowers him to be like the incredible hulk and lift stuff push doors in and whatever he needs to do since he's the little puny weakling as uh rax likes to pick on throughout this episode yeah um yeah so we fade back to the tracker mansion we hear the phone ring hondo what's up big guy the two musketeers pulling stunts again Nothing that simple, I'm afraid. Something strange has come up, and Venom's involved. Well, there's nothing strange about Venom being involved in something strange. Trying to make a pun there. Hondo tells Matt about the quilt being stolen, and that the museum people says it's practically worthless. So he says it's a puzzle for sure, and asks Matt to come. So we cut a little bit later, and we now see Matt seated at the mass computer station, and he asked the computer to select the agents best suited for the mission. But did you know this? He changed the mm-hmm. script. See, he says, select the agents best suited to the mission, not for the mission, like he usually says. It's oh, really? I didn't, yeah. didn't did not pick up on that. It was quick, though. It just seemed like uh, we got right into the oh, yeah. agents real quick here. The uh, computer tells him the selection is complete, and the first agent up is Bruce Otto with Rhino. For his knowledge of design principles, Bruce is out flying a kite and his watch goes off and hands the kite to a kid on a nearby skateboard and the kid takes off down the road. Uh, Then we get uh, Jacques Lefleur in Volcano for his added firepower capabilities, I think is what they say. Jacques is doing this, uh, like the log rolling game on the river the lumberjack that he is and he gets the call on his watch and he kind of straddles the log like a kayak or a canoe and paddles away with his uh, balancing stick that he had while he was up there on the log. And then of course, Hondo is pre-selected with hurricane this time. Matt approves the choices and tells the computer to assemble. So we cut right back to Boulder Hill after this, and all the agents are assembled. They're in the war room there. What's our mission, Matt? Must be pretty important, eh? Hondo reports that Venom's just stolen a quilt. But it's probably just a cover for something else. Gosh, a quilt? Oh, that could be so dangerous. Rolling my eyes. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt hits the button, and they are taking up into the mask room, which was great to see. And it looked kind of like new animation. It probably was, I guess, based on the masks that they were using in this episode, but it seemed really quick, too. And well, at least we got the, the round table. We haven't seen that for what seems like ages, and I'm, I'm not even yeah. that we've been absent for a little bit. I'm saying that for several episodes, we haven't seen that table for quite a while. I want to say about what 15, 20 episodes. Yeah, yeah. It was just it was just really, really quick, quicker than they normally do to bring the mask down, then charge them, then bring them down lower, and they pull them mm-hmm. off and put them on. You know, but it was just real quick with that. And I think there was even a, a different way that they kind of lit them up or charged them. This yeah, time. With a whole different color, new style glow. The animation seemed a little on the choppy side. Not, I mean, it was 80s animation, but it was even worse than typical 80s animation. Yeah. Man. So uh, right after this, then we get Rhino and Volcano speeding away with uh, Bruce and uh, Jacques driving, and Matt is shotgun in Volcano, I think, when they mm-hmm. head on out. And uh, we end up back in D.C. Right. And we fade into a campsite. Hondo states that the square knot is very desirable because it won't slip. Then it's just what T-Bob needs to keep his scout cap on. (laughs) Now I want everybody to try it. Remember, you'll be able to earn merit badges when you can make several knots properly. Scott turns to T-Bob and says he's going to earn himself a merit badge. Hondo replies that they are a couple strings short. Scott replies that it's okay. He'll practice on T-Bob's arms and legs. He's flexible enough. (laughs) T-Bob seems to be restricting himself with his worry being that he hopes that Scott knows how to untie the knots. I would too, especially if I need scooter mode. Scott finishes and we see him all tangled up with T-Bob saying that he's glad that his neck doesn't extend too. Scott surveys and says that it doesn't look right, with Hondo suggesting he would be better at first aid. We cut to T-Bob bandaged up almost like a mummy. Then Hondo (laughs) states that it's much better, and he may get a merit badge with T-Bob saying he'd like to get something, too, to get out of there. (laughs) Well, T-Bob, if there's a merit badge for being a good sport, you're sure to win it. (laughs) A good sport? I don't know if I can be a good sport, but my uncle was a good sports car. (laughs) I wonder if it's related to Kit. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. The scouts laugh. Hondo moves on to testing their sewing abilities. Scott asks if it's for sissies, with Hondo firmly correcting him, saying, no, young man, it is not. He adds that he'll be sorry if he misses out on this opportunity. He's going to pass around a cloth and he wants them to sew their initials on it. Then we are taken back to the Smithsonian, where Hunter walks up. I hope you guys will excuse my outfit. I sure wish I could wear short pants. Any more news on the stolen quilt or anything else on Venom? No, it's all still a mystery. Come on, I'll show you where it happened. Hondo escorts them to the crime scene. Inside, we see a woman screaming with Miles wearing his Viper mask, instructing Rax to get the screen from the fireplace. If you had sent me here yesterday instead of that idiot Gory, we wouldn't have had to come back. Shut up. Let's go. (laughs) Get out of our way. 
They walk up to what looks like a walled-up doorway. Then Miles calls for Viper. We then see the duo gasping with Miles complaining that the Viper power isn't working fast enough and then deciding that they need to get out in front. Mask is surprised with Miles shouting, Move out! I dare you all to get in my way! He then shows the pendulum, then uses the Viper mask to sever the sphere, sending it chasing after our duo. And this is where we get our dramatic commercial break. Viper, on! Ah, I, I wasn't thinking much at all. I was sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> this episode so far, I mean, uh, I don't know. I was kind of bored with it. Um, mm-hmm. The 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 drama at the break was a little okay. You know, I guess they had to put something in there. You know, just step out of the way. You know, it's this big Indiana Jones like rolling, you know, boulder coming towards them. Mm-hmm. Uh, just move to the right or left, please. Thank you, and let the thing keep rolling. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That was a uh, that was a little bit weird there. And just I I don't know. I was in the Boy Scouts, so I appreciate Boy Scouting uh, and everything that goes along with the merit badges and being outdoors and, you know, everything. But uh, I don't know. I just was not into this episode in the, uh, the side story uh, that they were using at this jamboree in DC, which is a real thing, but uh, I don't know. I, it it wasn't, uh, wasn't real intriguing and they, they're stealing a quilt. Okay. Uh, Obviously it's going to be used for something, but uh, it was kind of, uh, just weird for a, a mask episode, I guess. I did like seeing Nash Gory. That was fun. We didn't haven't got him much up to this point. Like you said, I don't think he's used his mask. Maybe he has one time in an episode when he was there, but he didn't use a voice command to do like the laser no. beam to cut the glass. But he did, I believe, use voice command for Powerhouse when he used it to smash through the door or right. use his pinky to knock it over. Which is kind of cool. The jokes were up and down. There's a, a a couple that I genuinely laughed at, but most were, of course, the roll my eyes moments. <laughs> but it was kind of up and down throughout the the first half, and I did enjoy seeing the sights, you know. But yeah, I don't know. The, the story was kind of lame to me at this point, and they should have like strategized a little bit more in the war room. Uh, extend that mask room scene. Uh, just cut that, you know, whole scene with the rope tying and the sewing and all that kind of shorter. Cause they, you know, they, they use the, the flag that they're making or uh, whatever cloth later in the episode, which is fine, but I don't know. It seemed a little bit long for there. So I, I, you know, we start out at a five. I dropped it down to three and a half. Interesting. What say you? Well, I I thought the animation was okay, except for the the uh, mask situation table when it's in the mask. That was kind of choppy. It's like they forgot how to use the mask room to generate, to do everything. It's like they completely spaced. Oh, yeah. We did this, didn't we? How did we draw that? Yeah. Okay. Let's put it back in. Yeah. <laughs> More right. like, 
Well, it's more like, okay, like a whole new crew came in and someone down the line said, okay, you need to make this happen. Uh, make what happen? That's just what the kind of thought I had. But I did like that they actually used Boulder Hill. They typically haven't for a while, except maybe to see the car's exit, but you, you don't even see that much anymore. It's usually, you know, call up the max agents, boom, they're on the scene wherever they need to, needed to be. Um, I like seeing the masks because it's been really seldom that we actually get the mask use. We'll get the the, the vehicles being in, in some kind of fire fight, but not mm-hmm. so much on the mask. So I liked seeing a little bit there. I like that there seemed to be a little bit of a an attempt at you know uh, learning with the Boy Scouts and learning about the the Buku pendulum and and a couple things. But like you, I was really what's going on with this episode? Why what what's supposed to keep my my attention, especially if I'm a I don't know eight nine ten year old kid back in the day. I'm not intrigued, and I like mask. So. And as an adult, so I don't know what's going on uh, that it's not sucking me in. So I, I was a little disappointed. I kept it middle of the road because I'm hoping that it gets better down the road. But I left right. it at a three. Okay. See, I was the, I was the, had that same kind of feeling. I'm like, okay, so they're they're building this. There's going to be some mystery around the quilt, and and that's what I was hoping for. Well, there must be some yeah. type of tie, but why I. Wilt. I guess it's the it's the idea that it's it's a hidden map, or at least that's what I assumed at the, at this point. I assumed that there was a hidden treasure map. Right. It's on this, but when they added the screen, the fireplace screen, I'm sitting there going, "Okay, I know it's in the end, it's going to be part of it." But at that moment, you're sitting there going, "What? What? Do you, <laughs> what, what why do you need the fireplace screen? I mean, it's, it's what? Seriously? Yeah. So, yeah. All right." Well, let's get into the uh, the second half of the episode. And uh, so we fade right back up. Scott and T-Bob are continuing to run away from this rolling boulder. Uh, Matt tells them to grab the second level railing uh, up above them. So T-Bob uses his go-go gadget arms to grab it with Scott clinging on to the back of T-Bob. And they, he kind of pulls him up and away from this boulder. Well, the, But the boulder's still rolling. They're still seemingly in the path. And Matt, out of nowhere, throws a brick in their direction, and it just happens to land right in front of the boulder and stopping it. Hmm. So uh, it's amazing how the cartoon animation works, right? I just want to forget this whole dramatic scene right here. I, I, Is this a panda power? <laughs> we'll discuss this later. But I don't know. This was probably my least favorite dramatic bookend uh around a commercial break in the entire series so far i was like Uh, okay so you're asking them to get out of the way but they aren't necessarily looking like they're out of the way so let me just throw a brick and i can stop this whole big boulder with a brick and where is this brick coming from so anyway that's my take on that. Dangling from uh, T-Bob, Scott drops down into Matt's arms. Boy, Dad, thanks. You're doing fine, son. Oh, I guess we almost found out what bowling pins feel like. Lucky for us, we had a spare moment. <laughs> That's right, T-Bob. You did good. Dad, T-Bob and I want to go with you and Hondo. Oh, why would I want to go anywhere? 
It's dangerous enough right here. Well, Hondo kind of looks around at this point and says it looks like they got away, meaning Venom. And uh, Matt suggests they stay on the trail while it's still fresh. So we cut out to the museum parking lot next to the uh, all the vehicles there from Mask. And uh, Matt meets up with the agents there that he's never known Venom to have a clean getaway like this. For one thing, all their vehicles use a special high-octane fuel. We can use Hurricane's infrared scanners to locate the fuel's trace elements and track them back to their hideout. Well, couldn't this have come in handy for the last 52 episodes? Exactly. I mean, okay, so you can track Venom now using their fuel signature left behind and you can go track them down at any moment you want to and take them out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, anyway, Hondo jumps in hurricane and the, uh, the grill guard pops up there on the front and you see some flashing and it starts to scan. And inside you see the screen that blips from uh, just above the dashboard with Hondo saying, bingo time to track those turkeys. Let's get going. And the agents roll out with uh, Hurricane in the lead, being the uh, the tracking one. And then uh, now we see them in their flight suits. They had a quick change there because they were in their civvies around the, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> the museum. And Matt requests the computer to connect him with the Smithsonian Institute there uh, inside of Rhino. So he's now driving Rhino uh, and doing what we should not be doing, you know, messing with our phones as we're driving down the highway. He's messing with the Rhino computer. Well, this is back in the day when it was okay for Michael Knight to be doing the same thing, you know. Well, but kid had control of the car. That's true. That is true. <laughs> anyway, so and I noticed, you know, Matt's – I thought maybe since he's driving Rhino, they put him in his Rhino suit, but he's still in the Volcano suit. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he asked the computer to essentially scan the quilt – and uh, give me the technical readouts uh, and see if there's like a pattern. I, I don't know. I guess he's grasping at straws, as they say at this point, mm-hmm. trying to find a pattern. But uh, Bruce doubts there could be anything hidden in it, you know, itself. And Matt saying probably wouldn't even keep you warm on a cold night. It's probably just has historical value, but uh, using this, uh, split screen imagery like we've seen before in the in the cartoons i i, I like it when they do this uh split screen with the yeah. other agents when they chime in and apparently there's like a audio channel open so they can talk to each other you don't suppose it could be just a trick yeah a mystery that venom dreamed up to keep us busy will they pull off a real caper somewhere else let's try the fireplace screen new search parameters Fireplace screen, American Civil War period, low-grade iron, very common, many have survived to this day. This example is not particularly good, but was chosen as typical of the period. Could there be something about the pattern made by the holes? Good idea. He asked for more analysis in the computer scans without any success, and we get a close-up of Matt's, like, wandering eyes back and forth. I don't Mm -hmm. know if he was, that was supposed to be him thinking there or something but anyway it was kind of kind of weird there so after all that scanning and driving you know 
to uh, track them, they, they still have nothing on what Venom has stolen. And then now we get them at their abandoned warehouse where Venom is hiding out. Right. And I'm surprised that they didn't wreck this whole time. They've been looking at the, com- you know, the computer screen. <laughs> That's what I was kind of thinking. I was, I'm like, dang, if I had been looking at my phone this whole time and Matt is kind of honed in on that screen that, uh, you had some serious bumper car action right there. <laughs> Just keep the battering ram grill out so you can clear the path, you know, like a cow <laughs> catcher on a train, you know, pretty much. <laughs> so anyway, with the quilt hanging, miles says that everything is going to plan so far. Then, uh, Gory says, Gosh, we're so lucky to be working for someone as smart as you. Hey, Gory, are your brains leaking out of your mouth? Or is that just your tongue? Sticks and stones will break my bones. Ha, <laughs> you don't have any bones, you little jellyfish. Uh, mayhem. Speaking of bones, let's not make any bones about it. When do I get my share? Relax, Malloy. None of us have anything yet, and you know it. Now let's move it. We see the Venom vehicles exit. And then here, here's, I guess, a little perplexion for me. I, I'm reading into it probably. But how does Switchblade get out of the garage door? It, now, that animation itself kind of threw me because it almost looked like it was on wheels or something. Like he drove it out of the... That's what it looked like, but there's no towing vehicle. I didn't see any wheels. I don't know of any wheels. No. I I guess the opening in the door was wide enough for him to fly in and out. Me and my movies and TV shows, it reminds me of a scene in Airwolf, right? They they bring Airwolf for repair back to Santini Air the one night. Mm -hmm. And if you watch the DVD, especially DVD, you see the guy, I thought it was actually Jan Michael, like crouched down to get ready to jump in for some cut scene or something, but you see a guy with his, with their, their, like a winter cap. You see him bob up in the, in the window, just slightly as they're pulling airwolf back out for the next day. And I thought, <laughs> this, is, this is what reminds me of, I'm thinking that there's a guy, you know, hiding <laughs> that's wheeling him out. Yeah. That, that he's just hired for him to take the thing in and out of this warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we get back to the scout camp. Tommy has the scouts gather around with him saying that, they did a good job, and everyone's initials are on the quilt. Yeah, but what's it for? You'll see. Hey, yo! Shoot 49! Ready over there? We are ready! Next, we see a large quilt with Scott asking, what are they making with T-Bob suggesting a new quilt for the Smithsonian? Scott then replies that it will be much too big for that. With a red sky as the backdrop, Mask rolls up with an animation flaw as they stop. Um, what flaw? It says, do you notice the horns or something appear on Rhino's fenders? No. There's actually a little, I see it. it it's real lo- subtle, but it's like they decided, hey, it's Rhino. Why don't we have a little horn on it? It just It's subtle, but it looks like it's, or it's like a glitch where they drew it too hmm. fast. It might be. So Hondo begins talking as the mask is lowered, saying that if his scanner is correct, the path leads them here. We then see the masks lowered, again, without a command, and then we get to see Matt's lava mask. Rhino rams through the chain link fence, then through the garage doors of the building. As Bruce gets out, Rhino's headlights go on with a sound effect. The quilt! We found it! Sacre bleu! 
The fireplace screen is here too, but no sign of Van Am. Now, let me stop you here for a second. Okay. This bugged me because <laughs> you use Rhino to ram through the door, ram mm-hmm. through the fence, but you're not using the extended grill. Yes, I noticed that. Where's the missed opportunity? Around? Yep, yep. That's that's people that do not know masks that are drawing this. That's <laughs> it. Use the battering ram grill. That's what it's for. Oh, that bugged me. Anyway, that takes us to where Bruce shouts that they found the quilt and we see Jacques Lafleur. Yeah, and uh, he notices the uh, the fireplace screen there too, and they're in you know fine condition. Doesn't appear to be any damage or anything. Bruce asks Matt to take a look at the quilt, and he seems to think there is a pattern, but he just can't recognize it. So he looks over the fireplace screen too, and then uh, Hondo and Jock kind of move it in front of the quilt, and Matt is kind of directing where to hold it. That's it. A little higher on the left, Jock. Oui, mon ami. How's this? Nope. No good. Two sides to a coin means two ways to join. Hey, Bruce, you stay up at night to come up with that stuff or what? Matt interprets Bruce's little quip there to turn it around 180 degrees. Now, is it just me? Okay, so they he's trying to move this screen in front of the quilt, but the screen pattern itself is symmetrical. So turning it around 180 degrees did nothing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, maybe it was just me, but I'm like, Matt, you're smarter than this. This is not going to work no matter how you turn it, unless you turn it on its side or something, which uh, Jacques even chimes in that there are eight ways to look at this, and they've only looked at two ways now, I mean, turning the thing, this you know, four sides and four sides on the other side. Anyway, Hondo sarcastically says that's what he likes about the lumberjack. He always thinks of something encouraging to say. He's being sarcastic there. Bruce uh, just laughs and Matt stares into the quilt now and we see like some lines showing on his face and he immediately interprets these lines as Morse code. It's a message in Morse code. It says there's $3 million buried right near the Washington Monument. The Washington Monument? Matt, that's right near where all the scouts are. Oh, I'm going to save it. For the end. But uh, I, this whole scene, I was like, okay, so how is the light shining on him? Where's the light source coming from? Mm-hmm. And and why does he know Morse code so well? But anyway, so this is how they put the pieces together and determine what's going to happen. So, um, of course, Hondo's like, well, that's right where the scouts are. They're right there by the Washington Monument for the Jamboree. So we cut right to the monument. And the scouts now, you see them raising that quilt that they made as somewhat like a flag with the Washington Monument as the pole. So this is a huge thing that they've, you know, put together. Uh, Fireworks now are going off as Mayhem kind of comes into scene and he's telling the agents to hurry up. And the, uh, the fireworks will be a perfect cover. So Gory walks over and he's holding a box full of something. And he tells Mayhem, right, boss, and Rax... I, I, I want to know what the tiff is between Rax and Gory. You know, did, did Gory make a move on Vanessa or something? Why is Rax so much well, like Rax bullying always, him? Rax just seems to be like he's always has a beef with someone. He's always getting on uh, Miles anymore. 
He's getting on Nash. He's been getting on Vanessa since like episode three. Yeah, I guess so, maybe this is part of his personality. Dagger, he makes fun of Dagger all the time. So Right, boss. Right, boss. You're disgusting, Gory. You know that. Just get that string bean you call a body moving. They remove what appears to be some explosives from these boxes, and they start putting them in the ground, and Mayhem wants to be sure that they are at the right spot. I guess talking to Malloy, who's standing nearby, and he says, You think I'm an idiot like those other two? Of course not. You're much more a unique idiot. So just answer the question. I told you it was. We're all set, sir. Sir, I think I'm going to be sick or something. As the fireworks continue in the sky, that's when Rex, he strikes the match and lights the fuse to these explosives. And the agents kind of take cover, and this explosion makes a hole in the ground. And they run up to it, and they pull this, like, uh, box out. And Mayhem uses the uh, Viper mask here again to melt the lock on this box. I'm not sure why it didn't melt the whole thing. Right. But um, anyway, as they are ready to look inside, we get these bright lights that shine on them. Right, and this, all those bright lights blinds our Venom guys. Then Matt races Rhino toward Venom, scattering them from the box and knocking it open, which sends the money flying with Miles shouting, Mask! Oh, my God! You better not tell me it's counterfeit, Malloy. Counterfeit? No, it's not counterfeit. It's confederate. What? That's right. It's totally worthless. I guess that sends old Miles into a tizzy. He growls right here. He's like, yeah. what I thought he said. I didn't mark it, but I thought that he made a sound like it, a it's just like, yeah, it's just a growling sound. And then Volcano and Hurricane race towards them, and Venom rushes to their vehicles, and we see Outlaw change, then taking a shot at Hurricane before being knocked over from a blast by Volcano. Another blast chases Nash away. Rhino races up, and then we see, I think it's Floyd roll up. Then turn mm-hmm. around in Vampire. It changes and takes to the air. The front part was very choppy before changing. At least to me. The animation was choppy. Matt then says, I've always wanted to flag down Venom. And he uses the stack cannons to sever the quilt flag that was made and then sends it sailing onto Nash, causing him, I'm sorry, Floyd, causing him to crash into the water. With all the scouts looking on, we see Hurricane chasing Piranha with Scott saying, it's Rax. And they have to, they have to do something. T-Bob says, no, they have to stay here. I'm about at the end of my rope with you. T-Bob, that's it. (laughs) Nothing can stop me now, huh? Ah! Ah! Then we see the scouts at either end of the rope, keeping it taut, which trips Rax and sends him flying off the bike. And there's at least some consistency right there with the mask rider. Yeah. I did like that Scott identified Rax Mm -hmm. right here. Because you remember there's uh, even one episode, I believe, when Rax kidnaps him. And he's in the Piranha Sub, and he's locked in there, and mm-hmm. T-Bob's chasing him, you know, trying to save the day. So he, I like that he specifically identified him, and there might be something 
in his past, like the kidnapping that would make him motivated mm-hmm. enough to yeah. want to do something on his own. Right. So that, that made sense to me out of an episode that didn't really make sense. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. And then we see Rax run off all the scouts shout, we did it. And they laugh all but miles. He simply runs away without their vehicles. Another roll your eyes moment. And then that's mm-hmm. when we head back to the Smithsonian. Yeah. And the, the final scene, I believe this is uh, the next day, the boy scouts and mask uh, agents are looking at the exhibit now with the uh, screen and the quilt restored. Uh, I guess the glass was even replaced too at this point. But uh, Matt says everything worked out with them getting the items back undamaged and Bruce adding that they got a whole chest of Confederate money as well. And Scott says he thought it was worthless. Well, Hondo says, well, Scott, nobody can spend it, but the museum has more than enough to sell some of it as souvenirs. And they can use the money to pay for fixing the Foucault Pendulum. Boy, this trip to Washington, D.C. sure has been exciting. I'm kind of sorry that it's over. Yeah, now it's all history. (laughs) (laughs) And we fade out and fade right up into our PSA. And this is where the duo are sitting at a tent site with a feather in their hair, or at least an attempt on on (laughs) T-Bob. Scott shows T-Bob a piece of wood and says that in a little while, it will be his new model bow. I just have to carve it with my scout penknife. You'll be sure to use it the way I taught you. Always keep your legs and other parts of your body away from the blade. And always stroke the knife in a direction away from your body. Never pull the knife toward you. Well, no kidding. Uh, Scott agrees, saying that you could slip and it might cut yourself. Matt adds that safety is everyone's business. And that's it. At least they have something somewhat sort of connected in the PSA that they're at a tent site. Sure. They Pretty haven't sure. had that for a while either. So as yeah. the credits roll, what is your rating? Uh, I'm, 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 te- I'm teetering, but <laughs> just going over the good things that I pulled out, um, the uh, the voice work of Doug Stone again. I mean, you had Matt, Bruce, Hondo, Floyd, and Gory. I think all those were Doug in this episode. Five of the, what, eight, probably eight, eight or, or ten, yeah. you know, main characters. Wow. And then I, there was a, more of the mask side that there's talking back and forth between mm-hmm. those specific characters. But yeah, I, I don't know. I just thinking about that at the end of the episode and how many, and not just Doug, but when somebody else has four or five, six characters in one episode that they do, it's uh, just amazing to me. I like the, uh, those conversion sequences towards the end with outlaw and vampire. I didn't, we, we don't get to see outlaw a lot. We've seen it a couple times. Uh, I, I think we might've seen it convert once, but this was a little more detailed and it was a lot like the toy. And when i kind of chuckled with uh, Bill, when we were talking about our, uh, the, the, uh, the vehicles that were not produced, and we were talking about outlaw being kind of venom's base for a while. And I was trying to remember if they used that top portion, they, they pulled the radar dishes out of it on this episode when they converted it, but it didn't really look like somebody was going to be up there. Uh, and it was more or less like the, just like the toy. And they used that huge cannon to start shooting. And I did like vampire, the way that they converted it from the side and then just kind of shot it up into the air 
as he took off. And even with the, uh, the Washington monument kind of in the background too, I thought that was a really great shot. And, uh, you know, for the most part, the animation I thought was good uh, in the episode. There were some nice sweeping shots of the venom agents at the end. I don't know if you picked up on that, but like right before they shine the lights on them from Rhino, there's this real nice panning shot. And then it oh, gets yeah. really bright, really yep. quick right there. Uh, and there was another one before that too. I think when they're uh, uh, setting the explosives and I did like for, for the most part, the, uh, the vehicle battle at the end was kind of quick, but it was still good in the fact that they're toppling over outlaw and there's this kind of head to head stuff going on. And, you know, even, even though vampire kind of tucks his tail and runs when he sees Rhino, there's still that sequence of him shooting down the flag and <laughs> making him uh, crash into the water. So the, the, the vehicle battle was pretty good. It, it, the bad. Okay. <laughs> so this could be the worst execution of a story in the entire show. I mean, it was never explained how Venom chose that precise spot to find the chest with the money in it. It just said if the message was just, there's $3 million at the Washington Monument, how would you know where to dig? And why was he asking Malloy? Why did Malloy have the information? Exactly. Didn't okay. they find the quilt or get the quilt? Right. Was with the map? So, yeah. And just the whole, there was no explanation on how Venom found out that there was this pattern on a quilt and a screen who put it there and just how it all worked together to show the Morse code. Just mm -hmm. none of that was explained. No. We had no backstory at all. Give me the boy scouts and, you know, show that they're there and their presence is there and there might be in danger or something. That's fine. But you're going from tying knots to sewing to doing other things and just give me more of the story that we wanted to kind of tie everything together. But there's no, there was no backstory about who put the money there, why it was hidden, and for what reason. And how stupid does Miles have to be to know that, okay, there was money that was probably buried here 200 years ago or 150 years ago, and it was not going to be, you know, crisp $100 bills that he could get from the, you know, the, the local bank at the time, right. you know, <laughs> I mean, it's just ridiculous to mm -hmm. me that they would go. I, I, I'm talking myself down to, to Panda power here. Um, <laughs> the Morris code thing, all they had to do was just give me one little bit of line about why Matt knows Morris code so much. Uh, I remember it. I was just, uh, I, I was in the Navy or I, I did this or that. Um, but it, I don't know. It was just, uh, well, Matt knows it was everything. just too quick. So to, you know, we just assume that he knows everything. That's the thing, but just give me a little bit of something. <laughs> I, I went through probably the main points here. The, the fuel signature that bugged me. That was just ridiculous. You know, I, yeah. I, like I said before, why is this all all of a sudden the uh, the catch all for for Venom that you can just track them anytime you want to by because they use a specific fuel for their vehicles, and we did we had no mask use on the mask team at all, nope. none at all, and you had Viper twice and you had Powerhouse at the beginning. That was it. 
So they they need to do a better job. They should have done a better job in, in these episodes where they're trying to come up with a story. Just focus. Give me a good battle at the end. They did well with the vehicles. They didn't do anything at all with the masks. Uh, Mac shoots freaking lava out his mask. And how cool it would have been to see Viper, you know, Mayhem do Viper and this little oh, stream yeah. comes out and Matt shoot lava shot and just, you know, totally <laughs> set switchblade on fire or something. And, and right. Miles could be like, oh my gosh, I'm getting out of here. That would make more sense than just uh, giving up, you know, and, and that whole thing with this, with the stupid, they were scared off so easily, but you've got the three agents running on the ground and there's miles just flying overhead, leaving them behind. That's it. <laughs> You're on your own suckers. <laughs> um, the rhino suit and the volcano suit. That was just a little bit of a tick and trying to figure out why Rax was such a butthole to gory, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. I've, I've kind of run it through the ringer enough and hopefully I didn't, you've got something more to add <laughs> as your review, but I landed, I landed on a one and a half Ooh. and I, and I gave it, I gave it the half because of that vehicle battle at the end. And I was just thinking, okay, well there is a little bit of value in this episode, but now I'm like, I don't, I don't even know if that's enough to save it from the end. So I rounded up and I, I voted a two. And that was a tough two to get to. <laughs> it was. It was. What say you, sir? Well, I like the tra- some of the vehicle transformations um, more towards the end, like you highlighted. We already highlighted that they actually got to use Boulder Hill, so that was a good thing, although the mm-hmm. the animation and the masks and the, everything else is kind of crap. But, you know, and at least they got back to Boulder Hill. I like that they used a U.S. location, other than, you know, they're always traipsing around the world and barely in the U.S., that that was another thing too that I was like, this is cool that they're in DC and they mm-hmm. they showed off DC at the beginning the different uh, monuments and stuff, so it wasn't just the Smithsonian and the Washington Monument. Oh, they used those a lot, right? But we saw some of the other ones at the beginning too to set up the where they were. I kind of likened the the whole uh, big huge boulder chase like uh, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of figured that they did a copycat of that. And the suspense was okay, but nothing, like you said, they should have had something more thoughtful for a cliffhanger for the commercial. And then the the magical, you know, brick that saves them all. The fact that Rhino didn't use, we've already identified this, but the fact that Rhino didn't use his battering ram grill to go through that garage door and the fence, I mean... That's part of the marketing campaign, I would think. Sell the car, <laughs> right? Boy, it's so. just so obvious, man. It's just so obvious that I'm like, "Gosh, are you serious? You did not use the battering ram grill to batter your way through those two barriers, right?" I already, <sighs> already picked up on this, but the the little design flaw that that what looked like horns on Rhino, and then how did Switchblade get out of that garage without the blades rolling? I, I don't know. I did pick up that the on the eye animation, uh, where they are using the lights, the eye animation was actually good. But then we get that, like, how do you know that this is Morse code on that's popping out on the quilt? Yeah. I just don't get how you knew that. Where but, did it yeah, come from? Where did it come I, from? I try. It's very difficult because 
43 year old man trying to get back into my nine year old, 10 year old mindset. Yeah. And it's so difficult because like you, like we're doing, we're peeling this thing apart. When you got writers back in the day that are saying, it's 10 year old. They're never going to know who cares about Morse code. It's just a code. It's just something. It's, it's right. just a couple pieces here and there. And, and, you know, we sold our 53rd episode. Um, <laughs> the fact that, like you said, like that, that, you know, the going after the money was a good plot, but how did Floyd know anything about the location? There was nothing about being radioed, at least to make the connection. And how does miles know that there's money any type of amount of money in that box is and more, more importantly, how does he know it's 3 million? And it's, it, the whole thing was just, again, a little messed up. I like some of the masks, but like you said, there was nothing on Mask's side. It was Venom's side. Yeah. Uh, it would have been nice to have a little, albeit it'd probably be like a split half second, duo or something but you know a, a good lava versus viper which one's gonna win something to to you know again your mark this is a live 22 minute commercial to sell the toys and you failed yeah. I mean, seriously but anyway yeah i think i've run that through the gamut too uh, oh the watch alarm was terrible but it's always terrible because they don't get it right <laughs> not consistent yeah I, i'm like you i'm talking myself down I rated it a three and I'm, I'm toying with making it like a two. I don't know that I can make it down any more than a one yet, but I'm, I'm, I've, there's more wrong than right. I, I, and I've already made my decision on, on our vote thing, but I think I'm, I got to, I, I can't, I can't consciously give it a three anymore. I have to make it yeah. a two. Do it, do it, man. Do it. I don't know how to change it, but it's a two. Dang it. <laughs> Every time I make a change, it adds another vote. I can't like delete the vote. Well, so what? Just to add another vote. We'll refresh. Well, um, yeah, let's let's run over to the poll and we'll get to uh, what some other people thought about this because we did get a couple comments uh, and a few insights um, just today. I threw it back up there on uh, Facebook and Twitter. And uh, this is actually, according to Headlock Homer on Twitter, this is the only episode where Matt Tracker wore his volcano uniform. Um, so that's interesting that, uh, well, I mean, we're getting up to that 65th episode of that first season. It's not too far off. We've got 12 episodes left. So either they don't use Volcano again or he's he's not uh, in there with Jock when they do use it again. And then somebody else said over on Facebook, uh, Lucas Gwynn, this is the final appearance of Hondo and Hurricane as well. So that's kind of sad. Yeah that this is going to be it for Hondo. And uh, I did like that we got Hurricane here instead of Firecracker. And I think it, whatever episode that was, they destroyed Firecracker to get Hurricane. So it makes sense that it's not going to be there again. But um, actually, I kind of looked ahead at the next episode and Firecracker is in there and Buddy's driving it. So really? anyway, yeah, not consistent. <laughs> no. But uh, we did get well. Let's get to the poll first. What do we? What's the uh, tally up to here? Well, I didn't take my amendment, so we're at fourteen votes. Looks like we got three votes, four or five. Who are you people? Yeah, four votes five. for a four, 
Uh, I will subtract my three. So we have three votes for a three, three votes for a two, and one vote for a one. So someone was almost was at least closer to your view. Yeah. So we had seven. That was four or five, and we had uh, seven. That was three, two, and one. So I wow. I don't, I can't believe some people voted that's four, four and five. It might it must be something that they like the out of yeah something they pulled out of there specifically. Um, well, let's find out. Um, let's get to Anna. Anna. Our buddy who always uh, leaves us a review. She says, I think this is an okay episode, but it's not among my favorites. I suppose I simply don't find the story exciting or good enough. Like Decker says below, I guess maybe we should have read his first. Uh, there is a nice twist at the end where Venom discovers that the money is Confederate and therefore worthless. But apart from that, I suppose I just find this episode rather boring. The animation is okay, but nothing more than that. I'm not sure that I've mentioned it before, but I'm not really a big fan of the way Nash Gory is portrayed in some of these episodes where he just seems like a complete idiot. I remember him being portrayed in a very different way in the comics. That's a good point. Um, and we'll get to what we didn't really talk about our, uh, any similarities in our, our mask script that we wrote, but we did add Gory in there and he's more of a, uh, he, I still would call him like a geek, maybe or a nerd, but he's he's a genius yes. with a computer, and he kind of hacks his way into. I'm trying to remember now where the masks are stored, like in a, uh, in Alex's lab or uh, whatever, some right. safe place, and he so, hacks in and gets the the masks. Right. So originally, our original plot was that they worked for a a defense contractor and they were part of a, like, you know, a black ops code, whatever company that mm -hmm. field tested it. They went out and did legit like black ops or, or super secret Marine type missions, but they experimented using the masks. They basically get canned from that mission or that, that facility and they're mothballing the whole project. Well, Nash, like Jason said, goes in and cleverly picks out all the, the old plans, the original plans for everything and takes them back. So switchblade um, uh, piranha and, and all the other vehicles that you see on Venom's side are actually part of the original, like the original sketches now yeah. mask on the side of mask. They're having to recreate or make new stuff. Uh, almost from scratch because all the plants have been originally just uh, stolen. So yeah. that's how our take is on that movie. Um, yeah. And he was still, he's got that still kind of weaselly persona. I think we, we tried to keep that in the script. Yeah. I think we killed him off. Didn't we do we, we kill him off on top of um, uh, Jack hammer. Isn't he the one that we killed off? No, no. The one we killed off was Bruno. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Because we didn't, we didn't, uh, we didn't give Bruno his own vehicle. He was in with uh, Dagger and yep. the Jackhammer. Yeah, and he yeah. Was there's a there's a little plot twist. I, yeah. I still, I still really want to sit down and almost novelize our script in a way where fun. it's more of a like a fan fiction story or mm -hmm. a, a you know just a like a regular novel. And um, 
at some point I'm going to try to do that just so everybody can kind of get the whole concept of it. And maybe I will, maybe if they, if we finally get the, uh, go or the, no go on this movie, the no go on the movie that is dead again, maybe that'll be enough uh, motivation for me to do something like that. But there's a lot of things I want everybody to see about the characters and even, you know, gory, what really wasn't uh, I'm being in the original plan. And we, we went back and rewrote him in, I think. We did. Because so, we were trying to figure out how they would make that connection of, okay, yeah. now what? You know, how does Venom operate? How do they operate as the bad guys? And yeah, like we said, they, they're the ones that stole most of the original plans. The only one that I think came out alive was the Spectrum Mask and Condor. Condor was one that we kept. Yep. It was a it was a like a separate thing that never got to be put into production i guess is how we worded it mm-hmm. so and that's what we get to see first of mask when mask is being that that, that you're, gonna, you're gonna get me motivated to go do that i like want right to so <laughs> I, I get on that we'll both maybe we'll spend the next three years doing this back and forth like we did no it's not gonna be three years we're gonna be in it <laughs> solid and we're gonna have to like you know put everything on hold again and just get it done no more anyway we discovered the ages are agents of math. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it would probably take that. All right, let's get on to our other comment here, yeah. Decker. We got Decker. I always liked this episode as a kid. I think a lot of it had to do with my family being quilters. Also, having Outlaw and Volcano didn't hurt. Besides Rhino and Firecracker, those were my favorite vehicles. Forgot to mention that I love the twist at the end that Venom got the treasure, but they were Confederate dollars and worthless. Good point. You know, that was actually fun because they, they're thinking they're going to get something and he finally gets his hands on it and then it's nothing. So. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, I understand that little twist there, um, but still they should have known ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, well, we, um, we'll be looking forward. We might be actually putting a novel together. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I'm actually looking forward to the next episode because I did sneak ahead a little bit just to get a a bit better synopsis of the episode than what was in on Wikipedia. But uh, the next episode is episode 54, Fog on Boulder Hill. And uh, Venom is after an old woman who is hiding counterfeit money printing plates. And in the process of looking for her, they run into Mask and even boldly attack Boulder Hill to try and capture her. So we have that to look forward to in the uh, the next episode. And this is one, it might be the last one. Well, there was only a few. I think Anna said at the very beginning, once we got that first attack on Boulder Hill, it was like episode eight or something when yeah, Venom actually attacks it and we see all the moving parts and everything. And we've seen Boulder Hill, I think, a couple of times maybe since then. But there's only a few episodes where it actually, we get to see it in all of its glory. And the next one is going to be that where we see the the gun at the top and we, you know, get the full interaction with with Boulder Hill. And you see uh, Buddy, you know, in his uh, mechanic gear, you know, working at Boulder Hill. Right. It's I, I'm hoping this one I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to like this one a lot better than, uh, than the one we reviewed tonight. But we'll see how the story goes about in in this uh, counterfeit uh, money you know, printing plates that, uh, that seemed to be a, uh, a plot that came up in a lot of eighties TV shows 
just somebody printing counterfeit money and oh yes going after play they even used that in the the a-team remake now that i think about it yeah they did that was, that was the main one of the main uh plot points there to make them when they uh you know get taken down by the the government and uh get on the run and get in jail and it was behind those uh the dukes yeah see the very first couple episodes uh and then they used it later on it was a, a granny down in her basement making five dollar <laughs> bills <laughs> yeah that, that seems to be uh transcending the uh the 80s there oh, yeah. in, in the counterfeit money but anyway all right that's that should be fun um we're looking forward to that and we're looking forward to bringing that to you a lot sooner than uh whatever the last time we recorded was several months ago probably for i think we did we do a retro con i think we, we did with bill we did yes, uh, like we did. a wrap up that was probably our last episode but um anyway we will definitely uh speak to you again before retro con in september we promise you that and we'll get well. I, I want to keep going. I want to get through these uh, these sixty five episodes and get to the racing series, which I don't remember ever going through episode by episode. So that is upcoming. Thank you guys so much for sticking around with us. You know, uh, I hope you can go back and, and listen to the previous episodes, even though we haven't been releasing them on a regular basis. I still will go back and do that once in a while. I'll try to find one that that we reviewed that I know was good or that I try to stay away obviously from Panda power and some of those other ones that uh, I wouldn't recommend. Um, and I might just, uh, maybe we'll just make this episode available for about a week and then take it down. But <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll leave it up. We'll leave it up. So everybody can know, stay away from patchwork puzzle. But anyway, just that's a quick uh, thank you and, Go back and explore our whole catalog. Uh, we did, you know, we've done some actor interviews and interviews with fans and uh, just everything uh, along the way. Reviewed, this, you know, some of the comic books, and uh, it's just been a really fun ride over the last, like, what, gosh, five, six years now. I think about five uh, six now, yeah. Yeah, gosh, it's been it's been a long time, but uh, yeah, let's let's keep it fresh. Let's keep it rolling here in 2019, man. I agree. Thank you again for watching and listening to us. Uh, for Agents of Mask, thank you for staying with us for all this time that we've been slightly absent. I go back and listen to, to our Mask cast. I go back and listen to Rediscover the 80s and all that. I'm, I'm partial to it because we've done it, so I like hearing our voices. But it's fun. I like reliving what we've done, reliving our past, even if it is Mask. I uh, really enjoy it. So again, I, we welcome you again to to look over Agents of Mass from the beginning, meet the hosts to to current. And until next time, on behalf of Jason, I'm Wyatt, and thanks for watching and listening to MassCast. Mask.